Well, hello and welcome to the Hard Yards Podcast. My name is Matty Guyatt and I'm a golf professional here in Australia. As much as I've been chasing that little white golf ball around for some 30 years, I've been chasing sport far longer than that and I love it. I've been very, very lucky through my travels with golf that I've met an amazing cast of sports and business elite. So I thought it was now time to share some of their knowledge gained and some of their tips and tricks they've employed to get them through the tough times and make it to the top of their chosen field. I hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you wherever you are along your journey and give you some new ideas to help you navigate along the way. I hope you thoroughly enjoy the guests that I chat to as much as I've enjoyed chatting with them. There's so much to learn, so much to love, so let's get into it. Hello and welcome, finally, to uh, what's been an exciting uh, prospect at thought for me of bringing you a podcast, and this is episode one. I'm very proud to uh, be sitting here and, and launching uh, The Hard Yards, and I'm very, very fortunate today to have a fairly new friend, um, but Socceroos and Brisbane Raw superstar, Matty Mackay, joining me. So thank you, Matt, for jumping off the deep end into podcast one. Thank you. I'm privileged. Number one. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You've got so many other friends, so many famous friends, and you chose me. So, um, yeah, good to be here. Let's, uh, let's get into it, eh? So, the, so for the listeners, I guess, um, what I want to share just to begin with is, I guess, the, the crux of what we're going to talk about. And, you know, you're a professional athlete, and, and I have been as well um, in, in golf, but uh, it takes hard work to get there, right? Yeah, of course. It's uh, throughout... Whatever part of your career you're at, it's um, wherever you want to go, it's going to be hard work. And so I, I guess that's the background of what we're going to chat about. And we'll talk a little bit about your successes, Matt, no doubt. Um, but really what I want to you know, portray to our listeners out there, hopefully we have some, um, is a bit of encouragement for those who are chasing a dream, whether that's in the sporting field or in the business field. Um, whatever dreams they're chasing that you know it does require hard work and it does require the blood sweat and tears to get to the top you know of your chosen field and um, we want to uncover a little bit about what that was for you um, in your journey to the the elite at in the football I always get caught up with football or soccer you know I I was soccer in Australia yeah I don't mind I mean it's changed over the years but so when you were a kid it was soccer it was definitely soccer yeah. yeah and and would you say that with the success of soccer, football in Australia, uh, the introduction of the A-League, and I guess the Socceroos getting back on the world stage in World Cups over the past you know, uh, 10 years, um, would you say that's been the transition from soccer to football, yeah, using the, the name? It is, but you know, I've always tell these rugby guys, like, you actually use your hands, so you can't really call yourself football, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even Absolutely. Even though you so... Um, no, that's my argument, but it it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. We're um, it's such a great game to be involved in, and it's it gives everyone so many opportunities. So uh, football, soccer, call it what you want. Yeah, I think you're right though, isn't it? Because you you know you're playing the the entire game predominantly with your feet. Yeah. So it, so it probably sport. fits the most. Yes, you know, it's for the term football, yeah. doesn't it? So. Yeah, awesome. Where where did it start for you? If we if we look back at your childhood and and um, you grew up here in Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane boy, Southside. So eight mile plains, Sunnybank was where I grew up, and um, yeah, just McGregor Primary School was my primary school. I guess from the young age, my favourite part of football when I was young was school. 
and being able to to get there. Seven thirty a.m. My, my parents or mum would drop me off at school. You, know, you can't do that these days. I know. It's, it's I know. Like, yeah, you need right. to have parents there at yeah, a certain time and you know teachers there. And, and but I'd be seven thirty on the dot. Um, always take a spare pair of socks because of the dew in the morning when you're playing on wow. ovals. So I'd always take a spare pair and change it before class starts at nine. Um, but yeah, that's um, that was my football memories from when I was uh, young. Yeah. Okay. And was it always football? Was it always soccer? Or yeah. You know, growing up in Australia, where so blessed aren't we you yeah. know and particularly Brisbane with the weather that we have here in Brisbane too many choices really like, yeah. it's, uh, it's difficult you don't want to you know pigeonhole yourself in one but there's, there's, the options are, are, are great um, I did a bit of cricket yeah um, not a, any great standards in the A's and that but um, you know cricket and obviously cross country overlaps with with football in the, yeah, in the running, running sense and a cardio perspective um, and I did baseball as well t-ball and baseball when I was a junior yeah right played with Cooper Cronk oh really Southside Indians down at Runcorn so in in soccer and in baseball oh wow yeah, so um, oh. yeah he was my age growing up so. now neither of you two are incredibly blessed with height you and Cooper no. Cronk so who was shortstop he was actually short. He was. Well done. He's very. I was shorter, probably, but he actually played shortstop. So he was. Um, yeah, he's an incredible athlete. Um, you've seen what he's done in these. Have you kept in touch with Cooper yeah, yeah, over the years? We have. We we chat, uh, text now and again, and um, you know his wife's um, a fox, um, Tara. Yeah, yeah, fox. yeah. So with we, football, we, yeah, of we, course. We we cross paths. So um, yeah, great guy. Um, obviously. Right. He's one that with the hard yards. He's probably the prime example of an Australian athlete that's just finished, where he has worked his ass off to get his where work he ethic. Is. Incredible, like he's just yeah, phenomenal. All the stories you hear, um, but yeah, it's um, growing up. That's where I spent most of my time. I've certainly had you know people talk to me about exactly what you're saying there, um, Maddie. In that there's athletes who have who are naturally gifted athletes. You know who you know. F- perhaps don't have to work quite as hard in their chosen sport because they're just naturally talented, gifted athletes. Cooper Cronk's someone that I've always been told about as being talented, but his work ethic made him elite, you know? Yeah. And would you say that that's maybe something that you've experienced in the football world as well, in that some of the people you've played with are just incredibly gifted athletes who you look at and think sometimes, almost with a bit of envy and a bit of jealousy, and go, oh my gosh, I wish yeah, I had that. Tons of I wish I had like that, that talent. We all have me. that, right? Yeah. You look at these players. Oh, I wish I was six foot, or yeah. you know, like <laughs> what a player I'd been if I was six foot. Um, but yeah, you, you look at these guys that yeah maybe are talented, um, and and where they take their game. But it's it's there's got heaps of heaps of guys out there. Yeah. When I was probably when I was younger, that were better than me. Yeah. Right, they were better, but it's it it comes down to your uh, your mindset. Um, you know how you uh, you transition in a game and and being able to handle pressure. Yeah, I think pressure is a big thing. I think yeah. people realise like you can be technically good if you're in the backyard and and be great, but put yourself in front of fifty thousand people and you know they're on TV and see how you go. Yeah, so that's a that's a the change. I think when you become professional. Would you say just going back to Cooper for a second and and your relationship with Cooper Cronk? Uh, over the years, you know, has that been a, a real asset to, you know, have you chatted and bounced, you know, ideas off each other as far as, you know, you know do you ever talk talk shop 
so to speak. No, or? I haven't. Maybe, maybe after now he's finished his career, it'd be, it'd be great to chat. But um, I see a lot of other sports have now are using him, like yeah. GWS, and yeah. um, he's doing work with them, and I think that's really intriguing. Um, you know, they're obviously trying to encapsulate what he's done and and help their teams. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I wish I had have chatted him. We, we were more just congratulation texts throughout. Yes. The, Yes, um, the years, but um, yeah, he's he's obviously got a great mind, and he's able to pick apart the game very well and analyse, and um, I think that's why uh, people you know think he's such a good player. Yeah, that thinking on the run in the moment, in the heat of battle yeah. for you on a field over ninety minutes, sometimes one twenty minutes when you go yeah. extra time, which you've done a few times in your career. Um, but being able to recognise the game and the flow of the game and and all of that. Uh, I guess some of that's learned, but some of that is natural. Yeah. It, it, the learning process, I guess, for that is just game-based scenarios. Like, I've done a teaching degree. Yep. Or for school to, teaching? School teaching. Close okay. to, you know, a P, um, didn't quite finish it, but I got a degree. Yeah. Um, and game-based scenarios are a big part, right? Because you, yes. you've got to try and get training methods where it's exactly like a game and you know there's maybe a scenario in a game where you've got extra time and you're down by one to try and win a game what do you do so it's trying to uh, train uh, I guess that and that's to create the comfortableness of the real situation when you get into that real situation so you've you feel like you've been there before yeah exactly and done it all before in the training yeah and I think that's it's it's a great way of learning um, to try and replicate as many situations that you'll face in a, in a, in a game. Yeah, okay, fascinating. Let's go backwards a little bit here, back to Sunnybank and, you know, Sunnybank Saints, I think it is. Yeah, your first, Saints, your first club Church League. In the, in, yeah. the, in the Church League here in Queensland. Um, and that was your first club that you played for yeah. um, as a kid at what age? Five. Five, yeah. wow. And you did you play right through to playing, you know, senior men's footy for those guys? Um, yeah, I, pl- I played there until I was 10. Okay. And then moved over to Mount Hawks. Okay. Who were in the federation. Yep. Um, just for representative teams. Um, but yeah, from, you know, I, I look at it these days, kids, and uh, football's in a, a, in a tricky period, right? It, it's become really expensive. Yeah, it's so and expensive. I don't, I don't really want to go into it, but hopefully that changes. Um, I know. My son's about to, I have to pay $885. Yeah. And, he's, and the better they get, the more expensive Correct. it is. Yeah, so I don't want it to become tough. an elite sport. Mm. Uh, elitist sport but um, they, they need something to change um, but I was very loyal and mm. and you see a lot of kids these days chopping and changing from team to team yeah. um, when they don't get an opportunity like like I stayed at Sunnybank and I would have stayed at Sunnybank but I needed that next step Yeah. Um, so it provided career, a right? pathway a Correct. better pathway for you so that's why I moved to America yep. at Hawks and I, I was there up until seniors yeah right so you know, like I, I wouldn't have changed otherwise. So, sure. Um, yeah, I think that's lost a bit these days. Um, uh, where was I going? With yeah, that? no, and, and and I guess if we think about you as a kid and you played some other sports and your cricket and your baseball and your soccer and uh, where were your dreams when you were a kid? Like, what you know, what age do you remember thinking? Okay, I want to play for the Socceroos. I want to play in the Premier League. You know, yeah, where were your dreams, and at what sort of age did you think, okay, career-wise, I want to make a career out of football? Like I think from, you know, when I started playing, I wanted to be a professional footballer. Um, I can't remember always saying it, but 
people now tell me, I, I remember when you were a little kid and you said you were going to do this. And um, so obviously I, I did. Um, when I thought it might become a reality um, was teenage years, I yeah. guess. And I was starting to make the rep teams and I went to Queensland Academy of Sport. So that step from Merkabat to, to QAS and then the chance to go to the AOS and then you started like, you know, this is at the doorstep. Yes. Um, uh, I was very fortunate to sign when I was at the AOS to sign for the Brisbane Strikers and which is a hometown team and you know, I'd supported and watched yeah, in ninety seven when they yeah. won their title. Yeah, absolutely. I was a massive Frank Farina fan and Weren't we all? um so yeah, that was you know, I guess the teenage years when you start to really plan or you know, picture yourself as a as a professional. Yep. Yeah, as a professional footballer. What about in those early years? You you you're ten. You know, through to those teenage years when you're starting to think about it, how much football were you playing? Like, you know, let's talk about. You know, obviously from a training perspective, you've probably got some school. You've probably got some club training through the weeks, and but was Matty Mackay in the backyard every other second with a football? Playing with his mates in the afternoon. Yeah, I think that's where you, you know you said it before school. Yeah. I'm sure lunch times were that way as well. You get the majority of your work done not at training. Training. Yeah, like right. Back then, you probably didn't do. I don't even think we did one day a week. Yeah, you know, right. With club, my my old man was a coach, and we used to train on the school oval on a Friday afternoon. And I remember finish training, go down and get our slurpee after from Seven Eleven, Seven Eleven at Market Square at Sunnybank. Um, but yeah, we. Yeah, the majority was done really like on your own. Was on your own or with my mates at school? Yeah, yeah. okay. Was your dad? Is there heritage in football? So was no, your no, dad he was a, a winger. Footballer? A okay, winger. not a not a great winger. He'd okay. say, uh, in league. <laughs> was he a left in footer le- in league? Oh, in rugby league. Yeah. So he's got no. Yeah, so he didn't have anything. No he's, background he in, in football. Yeah, really good. Um, As a coach. Yeah, like really. Um, he went. He went around. Um, you know, I've, I've still got it today, and I'll show him one day. Um, uh, like, f- for our grand finals back in the day, he'd write a list of of everyone's responsibilities, roles and responsibilities, and, and why you've done well this season. And he was just so positive and, and, and loved the game and, and learnt the game and, and watched, obviously, a lot and watched me a lot. Um, had an older brother as well, so had a bit of practice coaching him as well. But, yeah, he was, he was awesome. And, you know, that sounds like, you know... Uh every young boy's dream I think to have a great relationship potentially with their dad because he's there coaching football and doing the things you love and and you love him having you there you, you love having him yeah. there I should say um, as a coach even though he'd come from a different code which is fascinating um, so did you have to give up stuff as a kid you know to chase this dream yeah you know? uh, yeah I guess more so it came in the, in the teenage years yes. when you're younger it's not not so much, no, of course. Not so much, but um, yeah, pretty much from you know high school, especially probably the later years of high school when parties start. Yes, never went to a party. Yeah, right. Never went. Never. Didn't have a girlfriend. Didn't never. know any girls. I went to an old boys' <laughs> school, right, at Brisbane Grammar. I had to ask my sister's friend to go to the formal with me, right? So okay. I, I had no, like, I didn't go out. Yeah. Um, that were the sacrifices. Uh, um, and then once your career starts then it's the travel yeah you're away a lot um, it's not a bad thing like it you know it's just what you got to do right but you just got to uh, have the people around you that understand as well and um, you know I had that so from that 
from that perspective and talking about girlfriends and the social side of life that was the biggest maybe sacrifice you were making as a as a young yeah. man growing up in 16 17 18 19 and missing missing that stuff and you're traveling and you're away and you're missing your mate's birthdays mm. and you know the parties you'd like to be yeah. at and going to and stuff but um but I, I never had that though so yeah, like, right. i never got it so i didn't miss it yeah okay like, so I, because you didn't have it at all yeah i never i never had that like yeah you know, so it's weird like i I don't like even now. I don't really like going out. You know, like I don't want to go out and party or anything. Like, yeah, I do. Like you know, if I'm with friends or when I'll go out, but it's not like something that drives me. That yeah. drives a lot of people and hurts a lot of people's careers. Right? For sure. Yeah. Like it, it shouldn't. Like you think about it, you normally regret after you have a big night, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. So you grew up without. You know, you missed. You missed it, but you didn't miss it, you know, because yeah. you didn't know what yep. you were kind of missing out on, and and subsequently it it didn't ever really play on your mind that, gosh, I'm missing out on all this no, stuff. I, yeah, you probably say you're missing out, but like I, it wasn't something that yeah, sure. Me down so, and then the the travel part, you know, uh, being a professional golfer, I guess. Now yeah, you guys got more than us, probably. Yeah, but I think you know the the big thing about it is that you know people think it's so glamorous and you know you're traveling the world and you're doing this and you you know you're going to all these places and and I've often said to people that you know I would arrive in a city on the other side of the world to play a tournament and I'd I'd kind of get to know the airport when I came in the hotel the golf course and then the airport again and there wasn't much in between and you know, we never had too much downtime to be, you know, traveling through a city on the other side of the world. And yeah, you don't really, you don't get to, it's not a tourist stop. You don't get to do all the touristy things. Like I went to Egypt for the Socceroos. We were there for 72 hours, maximum 72 hours. And I saw a pyramid on the bus ride we were driving past. That was it, right? <laughs> that was it. If you, <laughs> and blinked, we got, and if we you got, blinked, you missed it. Exactly. We got beaten 3-0 and it was a horrible trip. And <laughs> I flew in back to Brisbane. You know, that was for a midweek game. So you're flying all the way to Egypt. Egypt, midweek. You've got 72 hours. You're back on a plane. You land in Brisbane on a Saturday morning. And I played Completely Saturday, different time played zones. Played Saturday night. Like, it was... It's tough. Like, it, people don't realise it. Like, oh, why isn't he not running? Like, why does he look tired? Like, the guy's just going halfway around the world, right? <laughs> I don't think they said that about me, but... You know, I, can, I understand, like, I see like, what these guys have to do, even now with the Champions League and the A-League. So how do you how do you cope with that, Matt? How do you, as a professional athlete, and look, I know you just said before it's kind of what we do. You know, you you kind of do what you have to do to play your sport, right? But there must have been um, methods, uh, whether that be through the Brisbane Raw with their with their staff and the, you know the workloads and you know understanding what workload you've got coming up, and so can they. You know, you strike me as someone's quite different, though. You know, watching you and being a fan of. Um, all things Brisbane, all things sport, really. You know, I, I remember playing sport when I was a little kid, born in Townsville, and you know, the minute the sun came up to the minute the sun went down, and then it just moved indoors, you know, and I played sport down the hallway, <laughs> indoor crickets yeah, and the like. Um, so I've lived and breathed sport my whole life, and, and obviously the Raw, been a massive fan of the Raw, and watched you play your whole career, even though we've only met probably three or four months ago at a golf okay. day at Brisbane Golf Club. Yeah. 
um, when your group paid for me to hit a shot onto a par four well, when it took, took about, me about ten about, shots. Yeah, but you got there, <laughs> and it was remarkably close. <laughs> I think you made an eagle from we my tee shot. We made it great. from one foot. I didn't do the putt, but we were. It's yes, as close it as I've ever. I think it's as close as I've ever come yeah, to an albatross, 100%. actually. But I, you just don't get ten goes on tour. Yeah. Um, sadly, but uh, you know that love of the Brisbane Raw meant I got to watch you and in your as I said before you're not the tallest guy you're not the biggest guy and yet you played above that you always to me look like you played above your weight and from what I know of you having spent some time coaching you some golf now as well and in your post-footballing passion that's igniting uh which is great to see from my perspective but uh you strike me as a very different person once you cross that white line um, and go out on the field to the person that I sit across from right now who's, you know, a great person. We've always had a great chat and, you know, it's very easy to talk to you and yet when I look at you on the football field, I think I don't want to go near that guy. Yeah. So, you know, how did how did the travel and the understanding of what's required of you and, and, and was the white line fever once you crossed the line Right. Yeah. I know my responsibilities. I know what I've got to do, and you were just the determination. And you know what got you to that yeah, space? I have no idea. Like, to, <laughs> you know, long like question. Most people. I've got no most, idea. Most people that um, you know become professionals, they have a hard luck story. Like, you yeah, know, they're from an underprivileged family. Um, they've worked their way up, and they've got that hunger. Right, they've got that that fire in the in the heart and the belly. Right, how do you bottle that up and and give it to someone? I'm, you know, I'm from a privileged family. Like, you know, right. my old man's a dentist. My mum was a pharmacist. We had money. Like, I went to Brisbane Grammar School. You know, I, I, if I wanted something, you know, I'd most likely get it. Like, I didn't have any hard luck, but I'm hungry. Like, I'm hungry when I get on the field. I want to win. Was that from a young age? Do you remember yeah. that being a yeah, young I'd age? Yeah, I'd cry when I lose. Yeah, right. Like, where did I get that from? Like, I don't know where I Did got you have from. brothers and sisters? You had a brother? An older brother, yeah. yeah. So was that fierce determination even to in the backyard him? stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we we yeah we were three years apart. So, but I'd still you know, I want to beat him. Yeah, maybe he was like, older. Yeah, he was older. I'd maybe let him win occasionally, just just so <laughs> so he'd play with you. Again. Just so he yeah, so he wouldn't get frustrated. Um, <laughs> I can't remember any like massive fights or anything. Happened. No, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I got that hunger and I, uh, that will to win, and I think. You know, you get some knocks along the way. I was small. Yep. I got told I was small. Yep. Um, you know, people thought you wouldn't make it. Oh, you're not too small to make There's it. There's a guy called Jonathan Thurston who had that same yeah, yeah, there's, story there's, told there's to There's tons him of the Cooper stories, Conky, right? mate. Yep. Yeah, there's tons of stories like that. So, you know, I had... I don't know the psychology behind it, but I had a fear of failure. Like, mm. but that wasn't... That didn't hurt me. Like, that made me... Made me want not it more. Fail. Like, made me, like, want to... Like Succeed. please people, like yeah, you know, like uh, it's it's funny, but I always um, people might call you a suck up or that, but I wanted to do well for the coach. Mm. Like so, if the coach had instruction, I was onto it. I knew I had to do that. I had my responsibilities, and that's what got me so far. Like I fit into teams, right? Yeah. So like, that was a great respect that you had up the chain. So you would yeah, always yeah, say so that... Like older players, like I did, I you know, from a young age, I respected the older players, um, the coaches. I wanted to learn. You know, I wanted, I wanted us to be better so I'd be better. You know, I'd want to be better to make us better. Like, Was there ever a time when you, 
you know, was that, you know, when you think about retiring from football, which was what, last year? Yeah. Uh, when you sat down and started thinking about that, was that one of the reasons why you retired in that you thought, you know what, I don't have that same insatiable desire to be better yeah. every day? Yeah, I think so. Especially, it was a rubbish year for us last year. Yeah. Like, the last couple of years, to be honest. And, um, you know, looking back now, I wish I'd done things a bit different. I wish I had rubbed off a bit more on the younger guys instead of just accepting some things. I let some sure. things ride. I was, you know, I was captain. I should have let some things ride that did ride in standards and stuff like that. Because we, we had built that up and yeah, it's, still, sure. it's still there. Like, it, yeah, it's a great club and, and some great boys. But, yeah, I just, you know, I kind of like, you know, I just want a nice, easy year. I placed so much pressure on myself throughout my career. I just wanted to enjoy it and get out of the year. But When did you know you were retiring at the end of the year? Um, I knew probably from week two. Okay. Or pre-season, around, yeah. Not in pre-season, but like once the season started, I knew that was... And is that the discussion you then have with the coach No, no, I didn't up? have it until the end of the year. Okay. Uh, and, and John had gone by that stage. Yes. Um, which, yeah, so like I, I already knew anyway yeah. from that stage, but... Um, yeah, it was difficult to to accept that, and I shouldn't have let it go much longer. You know, like um, difficult because your whole career you'd you'd been different to that, and you yeah. would never have accepted yeah. mediocrity yeah. in yourself even, or even, even those around captain, you. Even when I wasn't captain, if I was, I'd train so hard. Like I always train hard. But I'll, you know, like whatever games. What was, what, was on that? Just on that. What was training like? We've talked about training as a young fella, and that most of your training was self-regulated, I suppose, if you for one of a better term. In that you did a little bit of club footy training, but most of it was done yourself in the yard, up against the wall, yeah. with a mate, whatever. When you got to the professional level and you're playing at the raw, what does what does it look like now as a training? Uh, situation and you know, uh, you know how many week how many days a week are you actually oh, training yeah, with the geez. squad? Are you doing you, you you're doing maybe, gym on top and all the rest yeah, of it? Yeah, maybe get one day off. You okay. know, I went I went from you know AIS where it was nearly every day, which was right. great. And, you know, I had that. Year and was that living down in Canberra? Yeah, yep. yeah, brilliant. Uh, they don't have that anymore. Once again, a massive, amazing place. Massive mistake for football to not be at the AIS. Yeah, like we don't have that there. They need it. They need to get it back. Like, I can't. You look at the caliber of players that have come through. There. Who were the, some of the names that were there when you were there that came um, out? Of? Yeah, we, were, we had uh, Alex Brosk. He's oh, just yeah. retired as well. Yeah. Um, Carl Valeri. Uh, we had a great lot of some players. Like you look back and you know Craig Moore was one of the first yeah, in tanks right. and stuff like that. You know, you, um, you Vince Grellas and Bresciano's and like these guys are just some of soccer like, and, and, like, and Vaduka, right? They say Vaduka sat. He might have been in one of my lived in one of my blocks, and they used to have to tell him to stop at night because the guy next door to him couldn't sleep because he's kicking the ball up against the wall. Wow! So that's I don't I don't know if that's true. That's what we've been told. So um, you know he scored fifty odd goals every season just in the youth league, and then went to the old national league and did the same thing. So um, yeah, these are the kind of guys, and they don't get that these days. So and that's the kind of. You know, that's the kind of hard yards that we're talking about here with this podcast is that, you know, you hear, I love hearing stories like that. Is, you know, I coach an under-16 football team now, as you know. You know, you were kind enough to send a video message to our boys last year ahead of the grand final, which they loved. Um, 
but you're constantly as a coach trying to encourage the kids to do more you know on their own you know and that's what you grew up with and that's not changed and Viduka was doing it on his own to the point where he was annoying the guy next door and couldn't sleep you yeah. know but you just need to have that football at your feet is that what you found growing up and yeah. through the AOS you just had contact with the ball yeah it's all about minutes isn't it like just yeah. having that time to to uh, learn your trade and wherever that whatever that is whatever sport you want to do um, study even yeah the more you do it the better you get right? Right. yeah it's, it's not rocket science playing a piano you have to practice right yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything <laughs> and so it back into the raw and and your time at the raw um where you did captain the Raw in an amazing season in 2010-11 mm-hmm. where the Raw lost one game for the year and no games lost at home that year. One away game lost in the whole season. Phenomenal year which ended in a phenomenal grand final um, at Suncorp Stadium where you found yourself somehow looking down the barrel of maybe losing a grand final in a year that was unparalleled yeah. in Australian football history It'd be crazy wouldn't it yeah I was sitting there in the grandstand watching and uh, I know people were leaving around me at that uh, right towards the end and um, but I still remember you know watching Enrique put the goal in you know in, in, in the penalty shootout and pandemonium I've still got the video on my phone yeah, um, hugging blokes you've never seen before in your life and yeah. you know just that amazing what was that like what was that year like uh, at the Brisbane Royal for Matt Mackay what did that bring you in in further honours as well? Um, and then does that force you to step it up a notch again? Yeah, kind of like career changing that year when Ange came in. You know, he came in halfway through the season before, and he it wasn't great. Like yeah, he, right. he put on horrible sessions. He didn't seem too interested. Um, got all the older players offside, started filtering people out. And the blessing for me is I had a year left on my contract. So I couldn't go, and he wanted me to stay. And I was like, if he stays, I'll probably go. Yeah, right. You know, like the year after. And day one pre season, mentality completely changed. His mentality? Yeah, mentality. His mentality. Uh, was that uh, his first A League gig? It was, I think. It wasn't was his it? first A League gig, yeah. 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 But I I had him with the under twenty national team. Yes. So I, I knew I knew what he was capable of. Yeah. But in there even like in the national team he he, he kind of shake his hand at the start of the, the camp, and you you wouldn't talk to him like he wouldn't take the trainings he'd just be like a manager and oversee everything. Yeah. But here he was just he was full on, really intelligently, um, intelligent sessions. This well, is in the new season. Correct. Well right. planned. How did you deal with, before we go in the new season, how did you deal with, as you said before, you that respect up the chain, which you'd grown up with, you had as a, a strong belief that you needed to do that every season, and now you're seeing some of those older footballers at the Brisbane Raw um, not enjoying things when Ange came in, and then the coach, and you know you knew what he was capable of, but he wasn't bringing what you knew he was capable of. Yeah. How did you deal with that, and how do you, you know, that's a hard time as an athlete when you're starting to think about leaving a club that's, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, a part he, of you. He put it on us in the seat when he first came in. He put it on me and said, "What have you ever won?" So I've won nothing. Like I haven't won a title, right? Um, you know, and he put that question to, to everyone like the old players as well and, and he had obviously his plans to start 
you know, filtering around and bringing people that he wanted in. Um, and I told him after he, he absolutely went for us, you know, in this, it, it was just him and, and the players in the change room. And then we had a session after. And as we're walking off uh, back, I said, boss, I said, you know, you need... You called him boss? That's yeah. That's what you used to call yeah, him. That's what you called yeah, the coach. Yeah, all the coaches are called boss, yeah. yeah. Uh, boss, you, you, you need to you need to keep these guys, you know, you need to have them on side. And he goes, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, well, he's got a plan, right? So I kept my head down, worked hard. Harder, hard, same. Uh, same, same, exactly same, 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 Matt McKay. Yeah, and he trained us, he trained us hard. Yeah. Uh, and then we came in, uh, into that new season and different people and the expectation was there and he, uh, just the way he talked to us and planned, everything was moving perfect, eh, for like that whole preseason. I think probably the best game we had, uh, we played Everton in a trial before the season started, and we weren't out of place. Like, we were actually knocking around really well. We got beaten, but I think it was 2-1, but we, like they were, had respect for us because we played the right way, and, uh, and that just fed into the season. Um, there was no excuses. We all had a, uh, knew our roles and responsibilities, and... You know, I was the captain and I just enjoyed my football. And I think if everyone has a smile on your face, you play better. Yeah. Uh, tell that to kids are coach now. Yeah. Like, just enjoy yourself. Like, you know, don't be afraid of trying something. If, if you make mistakes, we don't mind as long as you try to do the right things. Is that hard as a professional athlete where you're making your living out of a sport that you do love, you genuinely loved as a kid? Is it hard when it becomes a job? Did it ever become a job for you where you found it was like, that's a tough challenge, I think. I've experienced that in golf yeah. where I fell out of love with the game of golf um, at periods throughout my career as a, as a golf professional um, where, you, you know, sometimes I, I would say I, I potentially even, you know, resented the game a little bit for taking me away from family and friends and 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 i oh, can't I just have a normal life you know did you yeah. did you ever feel like you know that that happened for you with regards to all of that and with yeah coming you in always get tough that's times a, always around the difficult periods where you're maybe struggling for form or um, you're away from home um you know i had i was in china a couple of times and it's snowing and you're cold and uh, you know, you're thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, it's a job, right? Like it was, yeah. it was a really good paying job, but then this, and then you, you kind of get to game day, and the game day is what you live for, right? Where you so you always have had that, yeah, like on game day, game that day. passion of yeah, playing the so game. Good. Like yeah. you, you, feel, you, obviously you feel pressure, and that's why it's it's so good. Like you, you get that nervous energy, and and you're ready to go. But it's, as long as you know what you're doing or you know you've got a plan of how to play that game, then you're fine. Like, yeah. It's when you, when you feel, when you're underdone, you start questioning yourself, you, you can't let that happen. You've got to be positive. Yeah, it's amazing. And was, were you captain the, the year before or did Ange make you captain uh, for he that made me new captain. season? Yeah, once Craig, Craig left. Craig okay, left, so. so Ange came in, the back end of one season wasn't so great, yeah. new season. Matt, your captain. Yeah. He came to you and said, okay, I want you to captain the boys. Yeah. Um, and then how did how did the transition go for you from player to captain? And was that a challenging time? Was, you know, did that increase your... Obviously, there's an increase of workload yeah, it's off just, the park. Yeah, yeah. 
as well. I think um, that's how the- did you deal with that? Because you said earlier you don't like to be necessarily, you know, outgoingly yeah. up front. You know, you don't like to celebrate, you know, have have yourself put up in lights per se. You like to just, you know, I'm yep. doing my thing and this is what I do. And, you know, I'd prefer to be sort of under the radar yeah. a little bit. I think those early stages, I was more... Um, yeah, it was more about my actions, mm. you know, and, and I'd let always, them follow you. I'd always give hundred percent training. Yeah. I'd drive training. Um, it wasn't so much the words. I guess as I as I got older, the more of the words came in, and it was a lot. It was for myself as well. Like it was just little little memory things, you know. Before games, I'd always say the same thing to the players. To the players, and they they have a running joke of it. You know, I'd always say set pieces as we come in. You know, so. Right, we do our warm up. We come in, last chance set pieces. Just twig in the brain. Someone goes, "Geez, I haven't even looked what my role is in, you know, in my set corners, piece. You know, yeah. so they go on the board and have a look. Um, so you know, I always build those little things in, and you know, some of the time I'd say that automatically because that's where I am walking in, and I yell it out. I haven't looked, so I better have a look, right? <laughs> so um, you know, those little things as I got on was more of a talking thing because I couldn't do everything I wanted to do on the park like you know my ability but I'd always have the work rate and the, and the effort yeah. there um, yeah I guess that's it that, that's got to be you know an encouragement to our listeners out there as well you know in that you just said then you didn't feel like you could always do what you wanted to be able to do on the football mm. field um, but you were able to do what you did exceptionally well and I guess that's the, the the encouragement to kids out there and to athletes out there who are in that sort of late teen years and trying to make it into the next level is understand yourself and your abilities and responsibilities yeah and so understanding that yeah you're not going to be able like you can't do everything right like you, you've got to recognise not everyone's that, a Ronaldo or a Messi correct. right correct you know you've got to re- recognise what you can and can't do if you can't do it there might be a way of of working to get there Mm-hmm. Uh, which is important like you don't want to ever just pigeon your whole no. self oh, mm. I'm just a set piece taker like you've got to you know add to parts of your game but you might not be the best of something it's about working in and honing your skill at each whatever part that, that will make you better as a left footer yeah this just came to me so as I said to yeah. you at the start we might go all over the yeah, place yeah, with no this problem. but as a left footer how much work did you put into your right foot ability over the years? Um, I should have done more when I was younger, no doubt. Um, but so would you say that you it, know it was harder to do later? Were you heavily relying on your left foot as a player? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a left foot dominant. No, yeah. It's not a question of a doubt. But my right's not too bad. Yeah. Um, but that didn't come from. Yeah, I, if I had done a lot more younger, I'm sure it would have been even easier. better and easier to make it, you know, even top echelon, you know, opposite foot um, later on in my career. Would you say that that's? Um, would you say that that's something that, from a skill base, learning skills, understanding the skills of your sport that you know maybe that's something that you found hard to did you find it hard to learn a new skill or really 
you know, in the time that you were training weekly already with everything else and, you know, you, I'm just, you're just scratching the surface, I'm just finding out a little bit more and, you know, to be honest, I'm sitting here soaking it all in as a football <laughs> coach myself now, uh, as well as a golf coach, but everything that you had to learn, all your set-piece responsibilities, you, you know, your trainings, da, 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 da. was there no time left at the... Yeah, not really in the team training, is there, yeah. really, to do was there no time left? skill stuff? Um, so even at team training level, it was almost like you needed to in, have a bit of an onus on yourself. In prof- like, as you become professional, like, we've got time after to do extras, right? Yes. But even these days, sometimes they're like, you know, oh, your load's been too much. You're not allowed to stay and do extras. Right. Which... So that, like from I'm, a running perspective, yeah, being like, on your feet perspective, yeah, they've got, got the trackers on you yeah, nowadays. Yeah, all that stuff. But, you know, I was, I didn't like to miss training. Like, I didn't, you know, as you get older, you get the odd session in here off, but I hated, I hated missing trainings. I'd rather, like, take a bit of load off in the training than actually yep. missing a training. Um, but, yeah, I found that, 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 you know, to do that training... And stay involved is is the it's vital like yeah it's crucial whereas the extra if you're going to drop something the extra training to work on a skill area that you know was still okay and yeah. still solid but just not yeah, great it's, it's actually a good point because even like you should have that stage for youngsters to be able to and that might you won't be able to do it at team training you've got to go do it at home yeah you've got to find time to do it at another stage because you're right, as in a team environment, these guys get to training at a, what you know, seven o'clock training, or whatever, or whatever you got training, you got that hour and a half, and then they're home, right? Because they've got to eat, yep. get ready for school, bed, school the next day. So, um, yeah, I don't know where you try and get that extra stuff done. Yeah, mm, fascinating, isn't it? Now, let's talk about your amazing year at the raw followed by what happened after that in your yes. career so the, where did you go so we obviously culminated in an amazing grand final victory and yeah. then your career changed paths a little bit there for a while yeah i'd, I'd re-signed with brisbane during the season obviously it was a really good season and signed a three-year deal um during that stage i had approaches from sydney fc to go there and a really big offer like uh, phenomenal way more than the role yeah and I spoke to Ange about it and he go and he obviously he said I said but it's a big difference and he, he um he goes it is but you know you're a Brisbane boy you've led this team you know I wouldn't be going anywhere and um after the season finished obviously yeah superb season and then the interest came from Rangers so obviously Craig Moore was was my contact slash agent for the deal along with his uh agent and um, yeah, I just I had to I had to do it. I knew it wasn't the right fit. I knew Scotland didn't wouldn't suit me right. I'm a, like a technical <laughs> player. Like you are a not a technical player, or you no, are. No, I am. That's what yes, I am. Like okay. I'm not yeah. like a. I'm not going to run hundred and eleven sure. seconds. I'm yep. not huge. It's oh. work rate, move to position. Yeah. Understand where the next ball's going. Correct. First touch control. Yeah. Passing. Pass distribution. Yeah. Um, so I knew it wasn't right. And we had a... So the Scottish league's more flowy, like a more flowing league yeah, and, was... and faster paced up and down uh, the pitch? Yeah, or... not necessarily... Oh, it is fast paced, but they're, they're big athletes. Yeah, right. They're, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, yeah, 
you know, balls into channels and, and crosses and being able to deal with crosses. And yeah, it wasn't really, you know, it's different these days, like yeah. some of the teams that play there. But um, yeah, I knew going there probably wasn't a great move, but I had to do it. It was going to stretch you? You knew that? Yeah, I knew I knew it wasn't like, I remember, I would, so we were in Wales, we are in Cardiff for a friendly with the Socceroos. So I'd flown over for that and I flew up to Glasgow right to do whilst you were there yeah and I remember to have a meeting it was like 4am Ange called me and I said I said look I'm you know gonna sign you know and he goes I don't mind what you do but just do it for a footballing sense like think of not money yeah think of it in other words that's what he's saying and in the back of my head I know it's not the right it's not a good footballing (laughs) decision I know but this like like I'm 28 um, are you seeing at that point you you might not have another opportunity to play oh, in Europe? Yeah, hundred mm. percent. And it's difficult. I still need to get a work permit, so I'm I'm Aussie as right. I'm very proud of it, <laughs> but I've got no ancestry to. I know UK passport. Yeah. To get in, you've got to have played seventy five percent of A internationals for your country. And I'd broken the Socceroos, but I hadn't I hadn't got that seventy five percent in the last two years. Yeah. So it went to tribunal and got through. Um, but I knew I knew it wasn't the right decision and I didn't get a great feel from the manager who was Ali McCoyst obviously a legend um, but I did I had to do it like it's just one of those things that uh, if I had come back to Australia and I would still be at the Raw I wouldn't have you know mu- you know financially I wouldn't have made as much as I ever did on my next moves um I would have never about, played in Europe. And, and individually, as a person and growth and, and, you know, as difficult as the move was and the challenge was and even going knowing that, you know, it probably wasn't yeah, the right move, feeling, yeah. you know. Um, that, this is exactly why, you know, I wanted to do this podcast and chat to people and, and understand that, okay, so you went, you stuck it out, you knew it wasn't right, but you still committed yourself 100% to the task yeah, over there. I did. I, I went in with a smile on my face every single day um, you know I, I debuted in, within a couple of days when I got there um, and the next week was the old firm and I wasn't in the squad I was devastated yeah right like it was the biggest fixture right of the season yeah. for them um, and then so from there just, Rangers Celtic yeah is, and that, it, is that the match we're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. that's the old firm and yeah. Um, yeah I just didn't take off from there and uh, I had a cup you know I only played three games um, but it was always around uh, an international break or an international period, right? So I'd have to fly somewhere, somewhere, fly back, you know, and that was, you know, I got there in August. It was like September, October windows, November windows. So I did all these trips. It was a, it was a difficult, but, I'm, you know, I went into training. I trained hard. I always smiled. I went home and I was depressed. Yeah. I, I was. I was depressed and I was with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, she was over with you? Yeah, she was over. That's It was crucial for me as well to have her there. But I know, like, if Did, she, she wasn't enjoying it. Oh, yeah, she, she saw she it. Could she see it in you? Yeah, she saw it and had to try and uh, look after me. But Look after you, subtly encourage you that maybe yeah. let's go elsewhere? Yeah. Oh no no she would never no. never she'd never question where I was going or not. Um, yeah okay. But 
yeah, she was supporting. Yes. Um, but I had to support but her. She as well. could know. She I knew. To, yeah. I had to support her. So. Well, she's on the other side of the world too. Yeah, no she friends, had no right? friends. So yeah. it's these are the challenges people don't realise, right? That's in that's professional why, sport. Yeah, that's why I think AOS is a good starting point as well because you're away from home. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, yes. So from Scotland, and then they were broke. Like I didn't know that when the I saw Rangers were broke. Rangers were broke, right? So they went into administration. Wow. And I was, you know, I spent all of January watching the the transfer uh, window. I was hoping to leave in that window. Had a couple opportunities. They wanted to send me on loan to Saudi Arabia. I said no. I don't want to go to Saudi Arabia because <laughs> I couldn't take my girlfriend because we're not married. Mm. Um, all those challenges like people how would you tell someone that that you can't go to Saudi Arabia because they, you know, I wouldn't be able to walk down the street with my girlfriend because we're not married mm. um, all so, these challenges yeah this is it so professional they went sport. into administration and, and they got the offer from Korea and um, yeah it was a great move okay so you moved from the Raw to Scotland the Rangers seven into, months they in, went to administration broke and sold me on Valentine's Day. Into Korea to, how do you say it, Busan Park? Busan Eye Park. Busan Eye Park. Yeah. Okay. And playing in the Korean League. Yeah, so uh, this this coach had been after me for a while. Um, Korean coach? Korean uh, coach. Korean coach, wow. They call him the Terminator. <laughs> and I now realise why they call him the Terminator. Yeah, explain. You know, uh, so did this now take your training to a whole new level? Yeah, just, just time in the... Oh, on yeah. the park yeah time like, on the park it was just every session was two and a half hours and wow like it was too long like but the Korean players if you look at of any that are disciplined and, and respect um, leaders and, and it's almost too much yeah right like the way that they uh, they train and just don't question anything so they could so be I having it they could be I, having a leg hanging off and they will still run they have to yeah they're <laughs> injured their injured players have to run laps so when they're I, injured when i got injured i'm injured i can't run <laughs> if i was running i'd be out there training yeah um so that was yeah it was interesting and you know i had to stand up for the player sometimes i had to go to the, i went to the coach i said coach that's that was too hard he goes mckay it's okay i know you can do it but they need to know that this that this is unacceptable if we have a loss and stuff. So he'd just punish them, and I'd have to go along for cop the it. ride. Just cop it. Yeah, but it was um, great guy. Um, beautiful country, beautiful people. Food was awesome. We had the most enjoyable year. My wife made friends. Um, but like Asia, which I learned pretty quickly, um, that changes in an instant. Coach, gone. Gone. In the, playing roster in the season full change I come back foreigners are the first ones to go new coach didn't like me so I got sold and that's when I went to China <sighs> so Brisbane Scotland Korea into China mm-hmm. and the the time in uh, Korea it grew you as a player would you say yeah, and hurt or, my body a bit as well. Yeah, did it did it take off. time off your career? Do you think at all? I think, oh, maybe, possibly. I to be, I did pretty well to get thirty six. I think that's yeah, my limit that's anyway. Awesome. I don't think I'm going to add another year. Um, well, you're focusing on you know turning pro and yeah. you know, playing in the over fifties on the PGA that's Tour it. here in Australia, that's right? <laughs> when does that start? Yeah, fifty, mate. Fifty. Uh, you got plenty of time. We can train you up. No problems. <laughs> um, 
but there's um and so china at changchun 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 yatai okay yeah and where was that based in china like where in china north east and i'm talking it's minus 30 in winter so So indoor training we didn't go there in winter right like so that's you know december sure we go so summer competition yeah pre-season's january um we are never in chanchun we go on a two-month camp so i flew i flew i got married my beautiful wife amanda so in between in december in in between seasons yep in between korea and china and then within a week i flew back to korea Mm-hmm. I found out I was thinking I'm staying in Korea right? mm. and then I've been sold so I've packed up the apartment um, what, is it, what are your emotions like in that moment Matt like you know we're talking about the challenges of professional sport yeah, the difficult. hard yards the man is not there like I'm trying to you know organise logistics of you know like of getting like I had a club car getting the club car back like they're not helping you now like you, you're gone right so they're not going to as much as you're a nice guy throughout the whole thing, they won't help me get a tax or anything. So, uh-huh. like, and I've packed up all my stuff. I've gone to, we had a dog. I've had to take a dog to our friend's place. Can't fly back to Australia yet because it needs rabies, rabies checks. So these are all things that you've got to so plan. That's dog, dog still in your life, that dog? Yeah, it is, yeah. She's, Today? She lives with us. She's the luckiest wow. dog in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, the club car, right? So the last night before I flew out to China... I packed up everything. I'd driven my, my dog to the other side of the, the city. It's like 10 p.m. at night. I drive my car back to the club. No one's there to give me a lift back to my apartment. No taxis. I'm in like one big jacket and no nothing underneath. Like I had no shirt underneath. And I've, like, I'm standing in the cold thinking, what is, what is this? Like it's snowing. I'm going to have to walk. What am I doing? Like I had to walk 3Ks to get onto a sub or train to get over to the subway and then back to my apartment so so in a foreign country where you don't speak the language I don't speak the language I have my little that's the little point it's probably similar when you're playing through Asia the first thing you do when you get to a club is you get them to write the destinations I need to go to so I can show a taxi driver in the in Korean so that was it yeah so I got home um, and, and moved to China the next day where you also don't speak the language I'm sure yeah, even even, even less. <laughs> but I was I was fortunate. I went back to a club that I'd been to and been to before, so um, I knew all the Chinese guys. Same mm. coach. So you played for this club? I've been alone. Yeah, right. In back in like oh eight or oh nine. Okay. Um, yeah, so been to the club, so it was brilliant. The coach actually, we came second that year. I played the first half of the season, then came back to Brisbane. But they came, we came second, and the coach got the sack. Can you believe it? Like we're a small team from the northeast of China in between North Korea and Russia, um, smaller budget, and we came second and they sacked him. Like, I just, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, he came back and he, he loved me. He goes, Makai, I want you. So they, they purchased me. So it was all sweet. 10 games in, we started horribly. He gets the sack. Again. Again, so first thing to do, new coach, wants his See new See you players. later, international players. <laughs> so like, I wasn't enjoying it. Obviously we we're losing games, I was playing. World Cup coming up, um, you know, I've been going away every window. New coach was a real wanker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, we were kind of like it is. It, it, like it's just it wasn't a nice person. 
Um, and I didn't have that. I haven't had that with any other coach, really. Yeah. He just wasn't a nice person. He's a miserable person. Um, and, yeah, they, they offered... Um, they asked me if I wanted to leave. They said, look, we'll keep, we want to keep you, but you know, he wants to bring another player. Would you like to leave? Because they were trying to offload some of the other players. Yeah. And I said, no, no, it's all right. Yep, let's come to an agreement. So we, we came to an agreement pretty quickly on, you know, I didn't get much salary. Like yep. I had 18 months left in my contract and I really could have, it's by far the biggest deal I've ever had. Mm. And I sacrificed that to come back to Brisbane. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was only two years I was away. Yeah. yeah, that's just crazy. And the two two pretty amazing years of of growth for yourself and personal growth and challenges and yeah, more the, the challenges, real I guess. rigors of of professional sport and you know chasing chasing your code around the world and yeah, you know, trying to get yourself as it, I guess there's an element of trying to get yourself as a financial um, yeah, stability yeah. for you know as a soccer player football player. Your career doesn't last forever, as you know, and so you know you're trying to set yourself up, I suppose, during those years when you can play to sustain you for the years after football. Um, yeah, you can't do that in Australia. Like you can't yeah. spend a whole career in Australia. Like as soon as you finish, you're working. Yes. Like you're not you're back retiring again. Right? There's, yeah. there's no one that spends a whole career in the A League will be able to stop work after they finish. Yeah. Like it's just there's just not enough money there. It's not. It's, you know. it's not. Um, I was very fortunate when I came back. I got an incredible deal at Brisbane when I came back. Yeah. Like oh, you know, I was on really good money. Yep. But still, I'm. You know, you're, you're planning for the future. You got to think. You, and sp- when you start having families, like I had a family relatively late. Yeah. You know, my my first boy Freddie, I was 33. Right, it was coming to the end of my career. But if you're having your kid younger, then you're starting to recognise. I need to be sure. money like yeah, I did think about that the whole way through but mm. I never really chased the money mm. at any stage mm. you know I'd negotiate obviously to For get sure. a better deal yeah but not? Um, yeah I didn't chase the money and there's people out there that, that do because it it's that's is their only chance they're not trained up in anything this is their only chance and when you came back to the Raw and you were still playing Socceroos at the time yeah what's it like to run out and play for your country, Matt. You know, is that was that the pinnacle for you in your footballing career? Yeah. As in, you know, when you were a little kid, looking forward and thinking, oh, possibly make. You know, is the Socceroos running out? You know, for Australia. You know, in the starting eleven, is that you know, is that the pinnacle? And it you is. know, is that what all the hard works for? What's it like being in that Australian scene? Is the, you know, does the work rate go up? The pressure go up? Does the the feeling of I have to perform now to keep my spot. You know, there's so many guys wanting to be in your position. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, it it is. Yeah, the pressure goes up. Like you, you got a player maybe in at the Brisbane Raw that's like a, f- a squad player or you know, a squad player, and they're not under that much pressure. Mm. Like it's the further you go up in representative teams, and you're under more pressure. Like. Yeah. So as you've made the Socceroos, right, everyone loves you at first because well, like you come from Brisbane and you're in the Socceroos. But then the expectation's there. And the at, scrutiny... At both? At Socceroos level 
and also back at club level now, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Dramatic increase of pressure because now you're a Socceroo. Yeah. So they would expect now, yeah. okay, well, hey, Matty, you're a Socceroo now, so you've got to lead the yeah. lead the lines. And, yeah, you've got to be the best you know, player. And, yeah. Um, I'd always place pressure myself anyway. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really um, wear it, but I was nervous when I went to Socceroos. Like, you know, I'd watched, I cried when... We lost to Iran in '97. You know, like I was in the watching with Dad on the floor of the, you know, my place of our place, and um, you know, I got Harry Kew. I got to play Harry Kew. Like my breakout tournament was the 2011 Asian Cup, and I, yep. you know, I assisted him like two or yep. three goals. Like, yeah, you're a man of the match in so, that series too, in one like, of the games. It's just like it's a dream come true. But I was, you know, 2011. I was 28. Mm. 28. 28 years old around there so yeah I was coming towards you know not the end but yeah. you know, I was already You're old well and truly you know, I wasn't like a 20 year old in the national yeah. team so I could handle it a bit better and, and I really enjoyed my time in soccer because I got to play with my heroes what's um, that like what's that like walking into a change room where Harry Kuehl's there yeah you know, and Harry's a l- Harry loves his golf Harry's yeah you know, yeah, I spent a little bit of time coaching Harry and, and yeah. you know, in some pro-am tournaments that we've had and he's spent some time with my boys kicking soccer balls around. That was the trade-off. I traded yeah, some brilliant. golf coaching into some football coaching for my boys. But um, what's it like walking into into the change room with a Harry Kuehl there or, a, you know, a Timmy Cahill, Australia's yeah, leading goal scorer? Eh? It really is. Schwarzer. How do you deal with that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is it the same again? Kind of, is it like, understanding your role and responsibility with the team? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, roles, responsibilities. Um, you know, listening to coaches and just trying to fit in. Right. It's not. Yeah, you, you don't want to stand out. Like I guess initially, like, but you want to stand out for doing the right things. Yeah. For training hard and and that bit of quality or and you know I did that in the time that I was there. You know when I I came in at the back end of of 2010 and then obviously 2011 went to an Asian Cup and we, we should have won the thing mm. um, and that's with you know your Brett Emerson's and um, your Mark Schwartz's your Lucas Neal's your Tim Cahill's um, names synonymous with Socceroos yeah. and mm. I'm still friends with some of them so you know they're great guys um, really re- really well grounded but they see the Socceroos camp and I didn't appreciate it at first because I was coming from Brisbane but they've come from uh, dressing rooms where, like, there's maybe no banter, or you know, they're playing in yeah. Germany, or where no one really talks, and and they come in, it's all Aussies, and they're all catching up, and they just love it. So that's some of the best uh, experiences being with us in the Socceroos camp, yeah. Versus playing in foreign countries and you don't speak the language don't speak and, the language don't you know, have a translator you know, a like, trans- I don't have a translator it's in the, just brutal in Korea, isn't so. it you know and so in those times you know all you can rely on is your ability to work hard the the, the traits of Matty Mackay of incredible work ethic you know um, getting to the space getting to the next ball blocking a space yeah. you know receiving getting to a space to receive a ball screaming at your teammates you know, yeah. um, when you need to as well, which yeah. is an important part of football. Um, it's a, it's awesome. So I guess if we think back to, you know, those kids out there and, and elite athletes out there in whatever field they're in, 
you know, what, what advice or what piece of advice could you give you based on your career of, of what stood you in good stead to continually, you know, challenge yourself daily to be better, you know? Is that maybe yeah. the answer? Yeah, you can't waste a session. You know, I, for me, that's... If you can teach someone that, like, you've got... You know, I'm coaching at Prison Grammar. Yeah, I'm doing the first eleven. We had a rubbish session this morning, and I berated them because I count the calendar. I've got it. We've got sixty-one sessions, and that's it for the for the, for the year, season. right? And these guys, maybe some of them, are year twelve. So do not waste a session, and we wasted one this morning, and I'm mm. angry because mm. I didn't want to waste a session. Yeah, I knew each um, culmination of. It gets you better and better and you're learning something. You're building from one you're session building. to the next. Yeah, it's a, it's a continual process, right? And that's in whatever walk of life. I've got to try and transfer that now into working life, yes. which I'm finding really difficult. Yeah. Like coming from Is that one of the greatest challenges you've had in your career be. so far? It will be. Moving out of, out yeah. of football and into, no into working. For no a, doubt. You know, well, you were working yeah. bloody hard, in fact. You were working bloody hard yeah. for a bloody long time as a as a footballer but yeah. now you know yeah, in your eyes work, you're working yeah like, uh, you know, well, we'll have a two hour training session today mm. so I'm up for that two hours but away from that you're still training like you're not going drinking you're not uh, you're going to eat the right things you're thinking I've got to have this amount of sleep so you're planning for the next day's training session but now like it's whatever hours you got to do and and trying to get those Try to find your role and plan properly so you're not wasting time to get to the next stage and just trying to see that end goal. Mm. I know that that comes across. Yeah, absolutely. So, so your advice to those out there is to not not waste a session. No, understand that, you know, yeah, if you and smile. Every session you waste. Be positive, be smile. Positive and smile. Well, that's why I like you, right? Honestly, kind of you. I've only I've only known you for a short period, but you're positive. Mm. Like you know, I remember one of our one of our first sessions, right? Don't think about why you hit a bad shot. Think when you hit a good shot. Why did I hit a good shot? Yeah. Why can't people should do that at training? Don't you know? I'm gonna. This is a tangent. I'm. I'm going. This is. <laughs> That's all right. Go 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 go. But with social media these days, you're gonna get criticism. Mm. If if, if, you to be on it. Ath- if you choose if to you be choose on it, if you choose to be on it, yeah. you don't have to be an athlete. Like, but whoever's on it, you're gonna cop criticism. Yeah. Look at Ronaldo and Messi; they're the best players in the world. I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but they get criticism. How can you possibly criticize these guys? Yeah. Like, you know, so uh, that positive. Yeah. Just yeah. I just I it really irks me when um, you know people are negative. And try to find the negatives in people. Find the positives and positives in people. Yeah. And so that's whatever you're doing. Find the positives, and try and work on that to help your negatives. Yeah. But don't concentrate on them. Yeah. So yeah. Keep growing. Yeah. Keep pushing forwards. Keep yeah building on your on your your positive things that you're doing, and you know try and grow along the way. And you know it's great advice. Um. I've got one question I'm going to ask you here to finish up with. Um, this is going to be a question that I ask everybody who okay. I, I'm lucky enough to sit down and across the room with. And, and Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure of mine to be, you know, 
here chatting football and I could go on for hours to be honest with you I, I love sport that much I'm sure we can maybe even do stage two yeah perfect <laughs> um, and and we look at more things but uh, certainly the question that I have for you is going to be one that I ask everyone if you could be any other sportsman in the world doesn't have to be current can be in the past who would you morph yourself into and be for a day so actual sports yeah person sports person in the world well I've got my favourite sport so I guess that's a is your favourite sport not football or oh no obviously football's your favourite yeah but I'm going to pick someone different to that right sure it's up to you it's your it's a question I'm asking to you I to be a a Formula One driver wow like I I love motorsport and my son loves it now so we, we go to the V8s and stuff uh, but yeah, I reckon F one like that is an intense skill, right? Like, and the pressure that they're under, and they show up, they got to do one, they got to qualify and lap and and a race. And they could die every day at work, right? Yeah, oh, that's the incredible like thing the, about what think, they do. Like, I love surfing as well, and you know, surfing would be cool. Um, but I think F, yeah, I think that just like the critical performances you have as a Formula One sure. driver. A person of that, I don't know where you want to. Yeah, well, was there one that stands out to you? You know, is it is it a Michael Schumacher? Is it the current superstar yeah, in all, the sports yeah, of Lewis that, Hamilton? Yeah, is centers, it? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm Aussie, so okay. You know, Mark Webber or Daniel Ricciardo? Yeah, awesome. Spend the day being one of those guys yeah, and drive like F ones for the day. Yeah, but it sounds pretty cool. You'd love to hear their <laughs> stories, right? They'd have some some of the struggles they have and yeah. different aspects to get to where they've got would be incredible as well so. yeah absolutely well hopefully I can get one of those guys on board as well on the hard yards when we look at uh, continuing on but thank you Matt for being my guinea pig uh, yeah. I think you've done an amazing job one. I think you've done an amazing job sharing your story and, and I hope that some of the listeners out there can understand a little bit more about how hard it is um, and what's required to get to the top end and sometimes you make decisions that don't end up being the right ones and you just got to live with it and smile your way through it as you've said and and go to the next challenge and i wish you all the best for your post football career into your golf career and um, <laughs> i look forward to i look forward to playing golf with you and um, in the future and and all the best to you and the family perfect thank you very much well there it is episode one all done a massive thank you to Matty Mackay for jumping off the deep end with me in episode one, and what a legend he is. A big thank you too for any listeners out there. The journey has begun, and I look forward to bringing you episode two, where I catch up with Black Caps legend and former captain of New Zealand cricket team, Stephen Fleming. Until then, don't forget to put in the hard yards. <laughs>